Yuki cards. Okay. Contacts. I have them. Good, 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 good. We're going to see. Anytime now. Come on. You can do this. Hey, Con, it's Kit. Hey. What are you up to? Um, are we recording? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What am I up to? Well, um, I'm just luxuriating in all the privileges that uh, many of us enjoy during COVID. You know, uh, many don't. But I'm, I'm working from home uh, on some very uh, clean work. I'm doing video editing, and uh, I work for the Chamber Orchestra, Master Chamber Orchestra. So that's what I've been working on all day. How are you doing, Kit? I'm doing really well. I also am at home, and I luckily live in a house that's essentially a library because all my hobbies are just cool things. So... Yeah, you're a pretty cool guy. So <laughs> I would ex I'd expect your hobbies to r reflect that. So, do you do you do any do you get bored? Pardon me? Do I get bored? Yeah. Um. Yeah, but in the sort of most pleasant way. Um. I mean, you mean? I, I assume you mean COVID specific? No, uh, just mean in general. Specifically. Yeah, just in general. Uh, See, oh yeah, I get bored, for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm i saying how much I like my, my work right now, but I, I remember I had a much more kind of uh, administrative job once when I lived in London, and I, 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 I you know... Wait, London, which London? Was it London, England? Okay, England. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Kafka, but, um, you know, like... I realized that there were certain existential insights to be had, maybe, <laughs> while working a, a grueling administrative job, and I realized I really only had two states. I actually, and, I can't stand Kafka. He's, he bores, yeah, okay, he bores me yeah, to death. Yeah, well, sure, and, but so does admin. Uh, so, does, so does bureaucracy, doesn't it? So, I, I really only had two states in that job, and it was fear and boredom. Um, and, you know, one bled into the other because um, I would uh, I would screw something up mm -hmm. and then I'd, I'd get terrified and try to cover my ass. Uh, I'd solve the problem, maybe, and be relieved for about five minutes and then just slide back into a state of boredom, which would, you know, mean I'd get lazy and create another problem, which would just... The cycle of you know repeats, and I'm in a state of terror again. So did you do it yeah. on purpose? Maybe you did it on purpose. Maybe I mean that's kind of for thrill, subconscious. That's kind of masochistic. I don't know. There's, well, we're all kind of like that. What? I think we're all kind of masochistic. Huh. Um. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um. I don't think I really enjoy self sabotage that much. 
But do you ever notice that you just kind of do it sometimes? What self sabotage? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm, I, I do it, but I think it's more out of out of weakness than it is out of, uh, you know, let's say masochism. Okay, so you're just saying you're kind of lazy a bit. Yeah. Or <laughs> lazy. That's that's. But, but I, but I mean, I, I, this, this is just, this is just part of my life. I, I'm, I'm, all things considered, in, in the midst of this crisis, I think. You know, most Winnipeggers, if they live on a certain side of the river, um, tend to be pretty privileged and comfortable, and that's that's true of me. Yeah, yeah, we're Wolseley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the greatest yeah, neighborhood the gen- in the, the gentrified, We're in the gentrified part of the West End, so. Yeah. Fair yeah, enough. you should be honest about that. So, um, tell me what it's like having Job as a cousin. Oh Jesus! Well, <laughs> I think I think I think he probably has way more things to say about having me as a cousin. He, you know, he, we're talking about Will Arnett here. I'm distantly related to, um, but I think he goes around Hollywood talking about me a lot more than I talk about him. I, I you know, and I, I think that's very true. And obviously, yeah. you are the superior relative. Uh, well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that, um, but I'm, you know, um, I I may my may be bored, but. I'm fucking up so often that he, he can't help but talk about me. So I'm not boring in that respect. In fact, he was on CNN a couple of days ago, and that's all, like, I was literally the only topic of conversation between yeah. him and, uh, or between he and Amy Poehler. Him and Amy, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. you're a bit of a, what's that word? Um, uh, decisive person? A, a dickhead? I don't think you're a dickhead. Um, but no, he he thinks I'm a dickhead though. In fact, I know I was trying to correct, my, figure out my own grammar, and as it happens, everything I know about grammar comes from his mum, one Alex Arnett or Arnett. In, like, do you ever have trouble with the rule, like she and him, or me and her, and you know, you're you're, you're trying to him and end I. a sentence, or yeah. yeah, and you can't figure it out. I mean, I still struggle with it, but to the extent that I have any kind of grasp of that rule, it, it, it comes from her banging it into my head, you know? Oh, that sounds and terrible. What's that? That sounds just terribly annoying. Uh, I think it was annoying for her. It was grating to hear me get it wrong. Um, but, you know, she's from a good, like, you know, a good Toronto family and... Uh, <laughs> She, she, she doesn't want that noise in her ear. That's fair enough. I mean... Yeah, yeah we, you know. We all have our little ticks, you know? What's, what's that? We all have our little ticks. Yeah. There's yeah. things that bother from, me. From a good, what's that? There's things that bother me, but I usually just keep my mouth shut. Huh. Um, well, I mean, maybe you're, maybe you're just not from a good Toronto family. Uh, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, for the rest of us, poor grammar is just, it's not noise to our ears, it's music to our ears, it's, it's just, they're just colloquialisms. I guess some are more charming than others, you know? You actually are quite charming sometimes. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know if it's because or in spite of my poor grammar. Uh, do you watch The Wire at all? Never seen a single episode. 
Yeah, I decided to rewatch it, and I, I don't like to rewatch television because there's so much good stuff out there. It seems kind of unfair to, you know, like give that much attention to one show. But um, I, I, can't, I, I can't help it. It's just such irresistible television, and it's shot in Baltimore. It's very much a Baltimore type show. Um, it's kind of you know this sprawling uh, epic kind of like in the vein. I mean, people. I, I don't want to play up. Uh, play it up too much, but people have compared it to Tolstoy in a way. It's sort of this, you know, sp- this social realist epic about all classes in this one place. Anyway, I was listening um, to uh, some interviews, and they were they were talking about the colloquialisms of the of the uh, of, of Baltimore the, the and in particular um, the African, this urban, you know, African American population. Uh, in that state, what state is that again? Baltimore. Is that uh, Maine? I don't know. Maine? What? Maine. It is Maine. Yeah. Maine. Maine. Yeah. And um, and just how a lot of the actors who worked from there, you know, they were from like New York or they were from uh, maybe um, they were from maybe from the West Coast. They just didn't recognize a lot of the slang, you know. Um, the writers so, didn't. Are you saying? What's, What's that? The writers didn't recognize the slang. No, the actors didn't. Oh. Because okay. um, the, the, the actors may have been from... I mean, like, they had their own slang mm-hmm. in New York or in California or wherever else they were from. And... But it's so much part of the show, you know, this... this, this It's this very colorful language. What do they call um, it a draw? Pardon me? Is like a their draw, like the Baltimore draw. Well, yeah, I mean, there is a very distinct accent, but it's also just the way, just slang, everyday slang that they use that is Baltimore specific, you know, um, and and specific to a certain you know demographic within Baltimore. I mean, the show depicts people in the drug trade, right? Yeah, so that's extra slang. That's like yeah, that's where slang. slang comes from, really, is drug trade. To be honest. Yeah, I think all linguists agree on that point. Linguistic innovation comes from the drug trade. Yeah. No, um, but there is a lot of yeah. I mean, I mean, growing up, you probably I don't know if you smoked pot like I did, but in high school, you know, there was all these funny terms that we had. Part of it was code, and it, and it lacked the the color and the the interest of of you know this kind of slang you hear from Baltimore and the wire but but uh, we came up we always had our own terms you know the if, if the police were coming after you they were that was heat score and they were trying to catch you it was squitch or the teachers would squitch you that's what we'd say yeah because um, we were smoking pot in the back alleys behind Calvin High School hide from narcs essentially that's what slang yeah, that's where slang comes from pardon me that's what that's like the root of slang is it, it's hiding from narcs so yeah, we yeah. have to come and, up I with mean, a new the, language. It's like twins or something hiding from like toxic parents, you know? Right. Yeah. Narcs in the broadest sense of the, the term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you know, that's where this conversation's ended up. That's that's fine. We can move on to something else. Um, are you writing songs? By writing music, songs. Because I'm gonna yeah. plug, I'm gonna plug you at the end of the show, so I might as well would like have a little combo about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I am writing music. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been drinking too much and, and playing poker a lot in the evenings. I don't feel like I've been as productive over COVID as I'd like. That's probably the story of everyone's lives. You know, I think they're going to go into COVID and, and, and leave it like Newton or Shakespeare having produced some masterwork. But, you know, like, I don't think Newton or Shakespeare had immediate access to the world of online poker. Um, <laughs> no, that's what my cousin does for a living. And also, I only write songs when um, I'm in love with someone. So I haven't written anything. Because I haven't seen anyone to fall in love with. You know what I mean? Uh, I guess, yeah, I know what you mean. I just don't really write, I try not to write songs about myself, uh, and I have nothing wrong with writing songs about your feelings, I just, you know, as I said, I'm, well, I'm bored and maybe boring, so why would I write songs about myself? You're not boring, uh, you're, huh? you're just, into, you're just too intellectual, that's all. Yeah, yeah, maybe I should give up songwriting. No, absolutely uh, not. <laughs> How about you? You've been, you've been, so you've had a hard time, you know, being creative because there's no babes around. No babes around. There's no makeouts. Office and I, I, I really hate to quote The Office. It's not a bad show, but I uh, hate that show. But go ahead. I mean, well, like I'm on this dating app, you know, what's it called? Hinge, and like, like every third girl. And this is gonna, I have to be careful here. You're not supposed to, you know. <laughs> be critical about these things but like, every third or fourth girl seems to be have a quote from the office or a quote from uh or talk to you they're really into harry potter which i just regard as like this form of infantilism or psychological regression if you're still at uh 25 35 talking about harry potter you know so, like anyway um, i understand that a, but i also what? just I, I understand what you're saying because, like, I grew up when Harry Potter... I was, like, the age for Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry um, Potter's fine. But I read... So was, yeah. I read five novels, and then I was too old to read any more of them. Like, so I didn't finish it. I just, like... Yeah. Oh, I finished it. I, yeah. I got... I got Hemingway, you know? Uh, yeah, like, I don't want to sound too highfalutin. Like, I... Like... Like, I, I still consume my fair share of crap. But it's, like, age-specific crap. You know, it's like, I don't have anything against Harry Potter. In the same way, I have nothing against baby food. You know what I'm saying? But if someone came up to me and they said, I'm really into, like, baby food, I wouldn't say I hate baby food. I just don't eat baby food anymore. I've moved on to, you Chewing. know, <laughs> cocaine. Right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've moved on to cocaine. That's the thing that people do. That's the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I actually have never done cocaine. Hmm? Um, I'm dead serious about it that. Sucks. I, I, I What? It sucks. Yeah, I don't know, like, I'm, I just associate it with, no, I, we can talk about drugs later, I, but I, why I brought up The Office was that uh, there's just this episode where Michael falls in love with a woman in, like, a catalog, like, he sees a picture of a beautiful woman in a catalog and decides he's in love with her. That sounds like and, me. It sounds like what? That sounds like me. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying, Kev. Like, maybe you should just go grab your late, late, like your nearest Sears catalog and write a tribute 
to the woman in the Sears catalog or whatever, whatever it might be, you know, not if they have Sears catalogs anymore. This is really funny because, um, four episodes ago, I was talking about how people used to use Sears catalogs to wipe their bums, um, because toilet paper wasn't invented yet. And now it's just like come full circle. And I really love this moment. Well, yeah. I mean, like, look, if you're ordering, if you run out of toilet paper, cause because the assholes have hoarded it all you can um uh um you can write a a love song to a woman in the sears catalog and then wipe your ass with it in that order preferably because otherwise it it, yeah it might might get kind of dirty otherwise okay Uh, the song the song i mean what the way the way i write songs actually isn't i have to be in love with someone (laughs) and by that i just mean a light crush um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all we ever have, anyway. No, I, we never really love each other. So go on. I don't write about them. I write about someone else's breakup story with them in mind as the dis- like who I'm describing, but it's not about them. So on, you're already breaking up with them in the lyrics before you've broken up with them. Um, well, yeah, because I, I am a fiercely independent man who doesn't yeah, love oh, people yeah. around. Right. But I love people around, but I don't love uh, commitments. Yeah, I yeah, know. Uh, I'm the same way. I, I mean, I, I, I just call it perpetual, speaking of infantilism, I just call it perpetual bachelorhood. Yeah, um, it's good. It's healthy. It's a kind of healthy. And societally yeah. accepted. Yeah, um, right, because if you're in the arts, like, let's face it, you can't afford to have kids. And, you know, who wants to? No, I don't mean you, I, by the way. You're, I just mean one. Yeah. Um, yeah, you might, you're probably an exception to this, but, you know, if you're in the arts, like, who wants to have kids? <laughs> you don't need money. And, um, well, you know, my family's rich, plus so everyone's, I don't have to worry what's about that? that. What's that? My family's rich, so I don't have to worry about that, so... But, oh yeah, well, yes. that's what I mean. You're you're probably the exception to the rule, but for the rest of us, I mean, you're probably in love with yourself in the first place if you're in the arts, you know, because you mm-hmm. you sort of venture this totally preposterous notion that y- you know you have something to say and that you're going to be the one that is the exception to the rule, um, and and uh, uh, you know. Uh, really make a mark and rise above the fray and uh so yeah you're in love with yourself and then um yeah i'm totally uh, in love with yeah, myself and plus everyone's everyone healthy. what's that i think it's healthy to be in love with yourself yeah and now it's like sort of like this nostrum of self-care right it's like uh yeah love yourself i mean i i do every night between Usually around eleven thirty, when I'm tired, and that's the time. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Family friendly show, but okay. What's that? That was oh, nuanced I, I, enough. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. I mean, I mean, what I really mean is that that's when I engage in self care. I listen to ASMR, and that shit have... weird. That weirds me out. That stuff. I... ASMR. Oh, I love, I love ASMR. I'm I'm down. I listen to ASMR more than music. That that's fine, but it's also just we have to just. I just don't 
do it with me. When we're hanging out, when we get to hang out, just don't do it with me. Really, that's funny, because usually when I go to the bar, I tend to just blast ASMR. (laughs) (laughs) That's your karaoke stuff. I actually, I do work ASMR into my music, though. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even kidding about that. I know it sounds kind of creepy, but I, what I really like about ASMR, like, I don't know about you when you're writing music, but, because you, you do some of your own producing, but I don't know if you've ever done this or been involved with a producer who does this. They just, like, apply some, like, room noise, you know? You just want some, like, atmospheric noise to kind of give it a, a more of an organic or live feeling. I'm actually kind of a bit of a dictator. Okay. When so it comes to my art. Or... Um, so I, when it comes to my art, I'm a bit of a dictator. Yeah. Um, the, but like just a wee bit. Um, so I would totally be like no room noise. Okay. 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 Well, you know, it might be that your music already has enough of an organic quality, but so much of my music is produced on a computer, for mm-hmm. better or worse. You know. I understand. Um, yeah. And um, so I think sometimes to give it an organic quality, like I'm looking for like sort of atmospheric textures. And I find they're, they're really good at like rounding out. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I'll get into why I use them, but I, I also use ASMR sounds. Um, and um, uh, a lot of that stuff's recorded binaurally too. So it's like three, it's like one step above stereo. So you got mono, you got stereo, and then you have binaural. Mm-hmm. It's like 3D stereo. It really only works with headphones, but it's, it's I mean, it's it's cool. And I find it, I love that stuff because there's so much bass in a lot of my music. Not the stuff we're going to play later tonight. That's that doesn't have a lot of bass, but but a lot of it is really heavy on sub bass, and then to fill up the sound spectrum a bit, like you know, if you have sounds that like they're really high up in the, the frequency spectrum, they, it can be quite grating um, if that's where the instruments are. You know, that's the space the instruments are occupying. But it's just if you get yeah. some white noise or some some just some sort of like light hiss. Or just just some room noise recorded binaurally, I find it really helps flesh out the the, the, the spectrum, and it, it provides some some really organic contrast with the bass and the low end. Because you know if you're using sub bass, it tends to be it's very synthetic. You're just using some big sine wave, right? Which is like totally computerly, it's totally digitally manufactured. So I love that contrast between like super deep, just this like sub bass. It's just big fat sine wave. And then on the low end, on the high end, you have kind of like textural sounds of, say, vinyl scratches or just hiss or rain noise, or which we, in the song we're going to play, it has a bunch of rain noise in it. And, so, yeah. Yeah. I, um, ASMR is good. What? I just like the idea that how you're, you're thinking so much about the audio. Um, see, in like my, the difference between you and me is. Like, you're thinking so much about all the sounds, and when I'm writing a song, I'm also... But I also want to appreciate that you talked about bass, because bass is 
what I focus on when I write a song, like a bass line. But um, I'm always focused on my poems. They're my poems. That's that's the difference in the kind of music that we um, we separately make. The poems, like, uh, I do worry about lyrics, but it's an afterthought. It's the it's the last thing I do. Yep. So the... And it's a thing I probably like. I feel like I'm the. I mean, you always feel like an imposter, I guess. Um, oh, you have imposter syndrome too. We all have that. Well, sh- yeah, right, right. We're supposed to all have it. Um, and I think I feel like the greatest imposter when it comes to lyrics, and they're the last thing I do. Um, but uh, yeah, um, but I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't like this tendency in music just to think about narrowly. Like I think among electronic musicians, there's just a tendency to think narrowly about texture and i've been talking about texture and the importance of texture and i actually have in contrast with a lot of electronic musicians i happen to like really organic textures but i, I guess I, what i share with them is a real interest in timbre which is you know the technical musical term for the sort of surface level of sound mm-hmm. um uh but i my, my worry is that you know really interesting timbre really interesting sort of electronic or really heavily processed timbre it's it's like fancy special effects you know and it's not really a substitute for a good story mm-hmm. and you know for me the story and, and and here's you know where i would i think we, we'd agree the story really exists in the melody and in the um in the lyrics if you're writing um, music that's meant to have a story so the point of like music for me is it's like i tell a story it's usually someone else i already said this someone else's story but um that I graphed off of, but, um, the melody, it's, all I gotta say is music, for me, is, this is why I love country music so much, and don't tell anyone, even though this is, like, broadcasted live, I love pop country. Yeah, no, I, I won't tell, I won't um, tell you. Well, pop so, country is the best, pop country is great lyrics, it still does a lot of the time. Yeah, and well, it's just some, what's that? It's just, that's, there's someone writing song that's what they do for a living they write lyrics so um i love lyrics and i love the melody um i love singing along and that's how i kind of write songs yeah i mean and i i really believe in that like for me i mean i am i'm a fan of country music um i don't know it super well but it's something that sort of i like even the top 40 stuff people knock it oh it's just about trucks and it's all just like right wing and yeah it is a little right wing but um no it, it's also tells stories about real people and it's kind of a it's kind of a construct you know this is where it gets kind of right wing it's sort of this this idea of you know like salt of the earth americans but it's not it's not entirely bs you know it's just trying to tell stories it's often tell stories about rural people and i think the danger of dismissing all this music as commercialized as it is and as occasionally right wing as it is the danger of dismissing it all is it's it's sort of like the way that the coastal elites talk about you know the, the heartlands of america the, the the midwest just like flyover country you know you just dismiss the people that like that music you dismiss the kind of life world that it speaks to and you know it, it is rooted in a kind of life world as as shot through with artifice and bullshit as that life world is, or the, the image of that life world is. So I, I like that about country music, and I, I, you know, 
I feel like I'm trying to straddle these things where on the one hand I want to have one foot in this kind of international electronic music world, although I'm not exactly an international musician, to be honest. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in that aesthetic, but it's another part of me that hates internationalism, that even hates cosmopolitanism, not cosmopolitanism, um, but that, that you know, resents the kind of elitism of a certain kind of internationalism in the arts and electronic music and that I encountered in London, you know? And so, you know, in that regard, I'm inspired, if I'm not, even if I'm not exactly directly influenced by things like folk and country music. But you don't have to be. You, but you, oh, there's this some, like, let me just explain this thought. Um, there's something that uh, I noticed as a, in my early 20s, also a teenager, that people had to pick sides about things, about what they wanted to consume as culture. Oh, yeah, as a cult. And I don't like that. I think you're allowed to just enjoy everything in life. Yeah, I, 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 I'll admit, like, country was one of the things that I, it took me a while to come around on. Um, but, yeah, I don't disdain it. Like I used to. Yeah, for, for me it started with, like, I just started listening to Willie Nelson, which is, like, basically half yeah. country. And then all of a sudden I was like, I'm going into all of this. And then, like, my grandma's favorite band is George Strait, so I'm just like, why don't I, li- I want to like my grandma's favorite band? <laughs> which isn't a band, but it's a... Whatever. You know what I mean. <laughs> um... I mean, and what's more gorgeous than a pedal steel guitar? Uh, nothing. And um, that actually is a really nice comment because I'm going to interview Dan Russell, who is the pedal steel guitar player I play with. Next, mm-hmm. I'm just oh, gonna cool. do. I'm just gonna do it. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. I mean, it's like a. You know, you have to use like eight limbs to play that thing. What's that? You have to use like eight limbs to play a pedal steel guitar. It's like you got to move your knees and then like your toes and like both your fingers. Like it's a real, if you can play that thing, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, I have no idea how to play it. Um, I've never even tried. Um, you know, and like, yeah, I, 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 I played slide guitar and yeah, slide guitar is like not as hard. Like I struggle with that too. Yeah, it's like instruments. Gotta learn them. <laughs> That's... But um, yeah. So uh, what now? Talk about uh, the we weather. Did... <laughs> We're not going to the weather. It's no, nice out. I open the window. Um. Are you, uh, do you have any plans? Like, are you going to go to the beach? Are you worried? Any plans when? Tonight? Just for any time. Um. Have you you talked to any of our mutual friends? I'll figure I'll uh, get married and have a house and mortgage within the next year. Yeah, that's quick. And, uh, give up music no I, I uh, I'm working on some tunes um, do you want to just uh, quickly pop in your 
your band name and yeah. you, the title of the song that I'm playing at the end sure. of the show. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm the, uh, I suppose I'm the central songwriter, producer, and guitarist for Blue Buds. And Blue Buds released a uh, debut EP back in the fall to much fanfare. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, quite a lot of fanfare. You did a really good job. Thank you. I, yeah, it wasn't. It was about as well received as I could hope. That, and, that's um, actually amazingly well received for like just a first off jump out the gun, like right out of the gates. Yeah. I. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I had. I know I had one negative review, and. Uh, well, you know, I, don't listen to the haters. <laughs> No, I know, I know. Like, I think the thing to do is just pull Putin, right? You, know, you just you just mail poison to them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm going. I'm going to be the prime minister forever. It's okay. Yeah. No, I, I'm actually. I'm actually kidding. It's a funny thing to take criticism because there's a, you know, there's a tendency just to be like, no, f them. They what do they know? You know. Yeah. Um, but they, at the same time, the press, even if the press is just some. Uh, you know, opinionated twenty-year-old hipster. Not nose guy. Yeah. They have a right to uh, exercise their opinion in free speech in a in a critical fashion, and hopefully, there's some insight to be gleaned, even when they you perceive them as being a dick. Um, that happened to me and, uh, actually with my first record. Yeah. It was yeah. like totally panned by uh, Uptown Magazine, and like was just like all insults. But I made like four more records, and and finally I made one that was good enough. So was it know, the same reviewer who gave you the good review? No, I don't even ask for reviews anymore. But um, I just like people like my music. It turns out, so I don't really care. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like. But they were right, actually. What's that? They were right. They were right. I was trying to do too much. And then I adjusted my songwriting styles. And I I did less and did more at the same time. So, you know what? I really appreciate them. Yeah. um, Hopefully I have that same... I don't know. Yeah, it hurt. It hurt. I mean, I, and it's funny that I focus on it because I, not to toot my own horn, but I got this nice four-star review in the free press, and so I got played up in, you know, a handful of blogs across the country, and you know, some reviews overseas. And uh, th- th- it's funny that the negative review is the one that kind of sticks you. And well, we did. Did you grow up in a really healthy household? Did I grow up in a healthy household? Yeah, I'm not. I, I, I mean. I, healthy enough healthy enough I'd say yeah so I didn't really so any kind of criticism which is basically my whole life all the time I just like I it it, it hurts but but I, I was used to it you know what I mean mm. 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 so yeah because maybe I grew up in, in that sort of like you know, you can be anything you want, like '90s, like you know, comfy liberalism. That when I finally 
after encounter hardship or criticism in the real world i'm like you know i'm and i grew up with you know everyone handing out a pluses and <laughs> <laughs> well yeah but you're really degrading and all that what's that you're really smart so obviously you got a pluses all the time i didn't i didn't i, I, as I said i was stoned through it all of high school Oh really? I didn't. I guess I didn't know you until after high school, or like midway. Or yeah, like I, was just, I was just getting over it. I was just getting over this my purple haze. I guess. I mean, it wasn't actually. I think that was the problem is that I grew up listening to classic rock, and I thought, oh, I'll become a druggie. This will be fun. And three years later, I was like, oh, I have an anxiety disorder now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I was stoned all high school basically. Wow. So I guess I, I don't really have a problem with that being public. Well, you shouldn't. I don't. I don't think it's healthy to keep secrets. Well, sure, and we all got to keep secrets. I. I don't know. I don't really do anything bad, so I just. Yeah, yeah, but that's the difference, you know. You, you, you know. You're like one of those people who's like, I don't mind Stephen Harper, you know, like hacking into my email accounts when that was a big issue, at, you know, a decade ago. Oh, okay. Well, I like my privacy. Yeah, because you got no, you got no secrets. You don't. You know, you're not, you're not looking at questionable ASMR at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, but also I, I just, I'm also white, so I'm not, I'm super white, so I don't really care. Like no one's gonna come at me, and I'll just talk my way out of it, like I always do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're good at that. So. You're good at that. I, I mean, it's not fair. Some people have more charm than others. That's all. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So you're doing all these phone interviews. Yeah. Yeah. And I love doing these actually. Um, cause I'm talking to people. I mean, I did. S When's the last time I saw you? Like October or something? Yeah, I think we both went to that party and I met that guy, Ryan Thorpe, who I'm now actually pretty good buddies with. Well, that's good, because um, actually one of my, my boss actually calls me a connector, which I I think is a really nice thing to be called. Huh. Well, yeah. Uh, well, Miss, you, you, you did just that that night. Uh. We had a good time. We walked in our neighborhood, and also then you made those, um, and then like the next week... I came over for your goose burgers. Oh, that's right. You came over for goose burgers because mm -hmm. I've been shooting with uh, my pops uh, up in Russell, Manitoba. And they were Speaking of, they were good. And then I fell asleep. They were, they were bad. I think I put too much bacon in them. They were pretty bacony, but I like I enjoyed the meal. I mean, can you really overdo bacon? I don't know. I know, it's like one of those things, like, I know all the memes about bacon are kind of overdone, but it's literally one of those things, like, I've never said, no, I've had enough bacon. I've never said that, but there actually have been points where I have had too much bacon. Yeah, I know, so, yeah, it's like, I've never said, like, I've never said, I totally understand my taxes, or, you know, <laughs> just things I've never said. That's, so, like... Speaking of taxes, like one of the things I lecture people on is get a a bloody accountant. Just get yeah, an yeah. accountant. 
You'll never have to worry about that again because they keep yeah, records. Now that I'm finally earning some money from music, I've started to have the talk one. Well, we're talking about Goose Burgers. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, like Russell, Manitoba. That's where, that's where I, I went up with my dad's buddies who are all these good old boys. Mm-hmm. You know? Like this song. And from, pardon me? Like you just quoted the Merle Haggard song from Dukes of Hazards. I, I like Merle Haggard. I mean, but I don't I don't know the I don't know the song you mean. Just the good old boys, never uh, doing no harm. Ring a bell? Yeah, kind of. I like that one. He's like, uh, you're walking on the fighting side of me. <laughs> it's all it's all about you know, uh, you like know, if, push, you're, if you're against boundaries. the Vietnam War, you're what's that? Pushing boundaries essentially yeah like yeah he was like a right wing <laughs> although he didn't end up being that right wing he supported him. i mean i know i guess obama was right wing but it seemed like a bit of a, a conceit a bit of an act like he was kind of posturing as this sort of like you know reactionary in the era of the hippies uh yeah but he wasn't uh, he was just a guy buying like he just like i think he did this thing where he bought like a grand worth of blow and then did it all, and then stopped doing blow. <laughs> Do you mean that literally or, or figuratively, or both? Um, no, he actually did that. Like, it's a historical fact. He, uh, hu- he hung out in an apartment with another country artist, outlaw country artist, and did $1,000 worth of blow, and then quit doing blow. Yeah, maybe that's what his right-wing politics were like, too. But, um, yeah, Russell, Russell Manitoba, like, I mean, hell, I don't want to romanticize, you know, like, give into the country thing where you're romanticizing rural life and, and because this is sort of, you know, you were staying at these sort of, these little hotels and, and, and you can tell people are struggling economically and, but it's hard not to, like, resort to cliches when describing it out there, uh, you know, the people playing pool and jukeboxes in the unbroken prairie sky and who doesn't like that though? Who doesn't? What's that? Who doesn't like that stuff though? I love that. Like, dry, going for a rip, you know. Yeah, but maybe I don't know. It's not really fashionable at the moment. I don't think it's yeah. kind of like. I guess being from the country is now problematic. <laughs> well, I was I was raised in the countryside. I like lived yeah. I lived in the woods. Like I shot lots of lots of animals that should be alive today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're canceled. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. But I mean, who doesn't uh, like a cowboy hat and a gun? I mean, come on. I mean, at the same time, though, like, I don't, like, you know, I'm not exactly a man. I mean, I was just saying earlier, <laughs> you know, just he's, like, living these perpetual childhood as these sort of, like, feeble, you know, like, artists with small chests and unbroad shoulders and can't raise children. And, oh, you, you know? mean heroin <laughs> chic. What's that? Heroin chic. You're talking about heroin chic. Well, no, I mean, I, maybe I'm not, but I... I uh, I, I, I've never done heroin. I think I'm even less 
glamorous than that. Like, uh, just, you know, I, I, what I, what I'm saying is like, I can, I can't really ever identify with, if I ever, if even if I tried to identify with like toxic masculine tropes, it would be, uh, it'd be BS. Cause I, I, you know, I, like I'm a five foot eleven artist who can't grow a full beard I'm, as much as I'm trying during quarantine, you know. <laughs> and and like I can't, you know, I, I could never be the patriarch of the family because I just couldn't I couldn't afford it. Like we they like I'm not going to be the main breadwinner, you know. If I am, we're fucked. We're screwed. Oh, okay, yeah, you gotta watch the words. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I apologize. Apologize. Oh, see, but this is just me masculine posturing again you know i'm just um, of course just how we talk in manitoba yeah and if you're trying to if you're if you're a real man if you're trying to be a real man you talk that way uh and for me the it, the latter is true like i'm out in the country with my dad's friends and they're all 70 you know yeah and they can all out drink me out shoot me they can, they're better at pool they can they can lift you know we're out fishing with them they they can be smoking a cigarette with one hand uh drinking a beer in the other and fixing a tackle with their with their teeth at the same time and, and but like i'm I, that's not me you know i mean i well no, i can't do it i sort of what's that you're artsy yeah so um yeah i just want to be clear like to the extent that i have any kind of like i don't know uh attachment to all this it's kind of more as an observer like, I, I go shooting and like I'm not good at it, you know? Yeah, but it's, um, it's something you can get good at. Yeah, yeah. Like, I lose at poker every night. It's turning into an expensive way to get called, get made fun of for being, like, in a feet little girl by my friends, my high school friends, my problematic bro high school friends every night. Like, I, have to, I, I spend five bucks till we play. I know think there's anything of feet about you you're no i'm I'm fine with that though like i don't like like to hell with them like if they want to call me a girl like i don't care like like, that's you know yeah yeah i'm totally chill with that their posture yeah but but um there what i've learned actually because i have like a huge degree somehow a huge amount of psychology knowledge is anyone who calls you a feat or a little girl is just projecting their own insecurities. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could be. Um, although, like, it's funny. Like, I, as, I was always the kind of, uh, like, the artsy one in high school. I had longer hair. I wasn't as good at sports. You know, I couldn't drink. And my friends used to make fun of me, as they still do, because they're kind of like taller and you know more like traditionally masculine and some of them anyway <laughs> and but also what I discovered about a lot of them I don't want to name any names because uh, they they would be embarrassed about it not that there's any reason to be but I discovered like most of them have had homoerotic experiences well why why wouldn't you have homoerotic experiences no absolutely my thinking precisely but it's just like you know, I grew up being made fun of by my friends for, you know, the kind of the names that kids used in high school to make fun of a guy when he wasn't 
I don't want to repeat them, but they were pretty popular in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, even late-2000s, you know? Yeah, it didn't really kind of change until um, 2017. Something like that. And, um, you know, so I kind of grew up, like, enduring these kinds of derogatory remarks. And then discover, it was kind of... Like it was, it was kind of nice to discover that all of them are kind of gay. And I was like, okay, well, look, we're all on the same page now. Yeah, you know, we're all gay. Like, what's that? We're all gay. Everyone knows this. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like not. And it, it's sort of funny because we're playing poker together every night, and like no one's talking about their feelings, except when they do. It's kind of like this weird group therapy where like the pretenses are all playing poker and talking shoot about one, one another I'm trying to impugn one another's manhood but then slowly over time like these stories start coming out and people start to like divulge their feelings yeah and, it's like the classic drunk I love you yeah 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 okay we and have five is, everyone's drinking too much too <laughs> we have five minutes left because I have to plug your song okay so is there anything you want to say that's really important I mean, it would be a real change if I said something important now after everything else I've said. So yeah, let's you are... just <laughs> let's just call it a night. Yeah, let's just stay with the pattern here, and I'll I'll continue to spout superfluousness and you know just. Well, your thoughts—they're your thoughts. That's what's important, and that's what the whole point of the show is. Um... For you. See, I can tell you were raised in the 90s, too, you know. Your thoughts count. <laughs> <laughs> they matter for something. Um, they, they didn't at home, but yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm going to just, like, cut you off right now so I can plug your song and um, do a little talk about Blue Bloods before, Thanks, before we run out of... Um, because I only have 10 minutes left. It's so, all good. So anyway, it's good to see you, and hopefully, nice I mean, too. talk to you, and then I'll... This was lovely, that's all. And I'll, okay. I'll, we'll go out on a walk about Wolseley when we're yes, allowed. Yes, so we'll go on a socially distanced walk. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, unfortunately we can't hold hands, as much as I'd like to. <laughs> okay. Trade hunting stories. I, yeah, <laughs> hunting stories. Okay. Yeah, we both Speech eat animals keep and kill them. Clean. No matter that, I don't mean that figuratively. I mean that literally. And uh, yeah, staring into each other's eyes longingly. Yeah. Another time. Always a, always wonderful seeing you. Okay. Yeah, likewise, likewise, bro. Okay, take care. I'll text you. Okay, all right. Thanks, man. Okay, bye. I push stop record. Okay, so that was Cronrad Sweatman who does Blue Bloods. Or that's his like um artist thing. And <laughs> I phrased that poorly, but well. And um instead of my usual uh Yuki chords, I'm just gonna send it out with his song Make It Rain. And it's 
actually really, really, really... Okay, I'm trying to avoid using the terms actually, but I grew up in the 90s. It's very good. There is no actually about it. It's very good. And that's what we're going to go out on. So that was Conrad Sweatman. I'm Kip Koke. And you get to listen to a really good song right now. Oh
Yuki cards.